Welcome to the Deeper Into Movies podcast. My name is Stephen T. Hanley. I am the founder and lead creator of Deeper Into Movies. We are a pop-up cinema based in London and New York. Today on the podcast, I am joined by actor and screenwriter Mia Goff. Mia, you may know from her roles in Nymphomaniac Part 2, High Life, Suspiria, and Autumn de Wilde's fantastic debut, Emma. She is here today to talk about Brandon Cronenberg's fantastic headfuck, Infinity Pool, and Pearl, the second part in Ty West's trilogy, which Mia also co-wrote. This was a really good talk. Mia is the real deal. She only goes for projects she's super passionate about. She takes her work very seriously. As you'll hear when I make a joke about the new Maxine being like a Marvel Universe movie. She's like, no, it's not. <laughs> Which is cool. And yeah, I just think she's been killing it for so long. It's great to see her getting more recognition and she's going from strength to strength. Here's me and Mia Goff. What kind of teenager were you? What did you grow up watching? What were you into? What kind of, that's a good question. Uh, What kind of teenager was I? Um, I was pretty rebellious at that stage. Um, I grew up in London and I had three, it was me and my three best friends and we would just do, we did everything together. I, I mean, we, we grew up watching a lot of Wes Anderson movies. I remember spending a lot of late Friday nights and Saturday mornings watching um, his movies. And, you know, we would go, we would take the train and then we would go into Brick Lane on Sundays and we would go shopping and um, have a bagel somewhere on Brick Lane. And we would go to raves and, and London Bridge on Friday nights. And, um, and also, and then we would go to school and we were very... Well, I, you know, I also really enjoyed school. And so I, um, you know, took a lot of pride in that at that time as well. And it was it was pretty idyllic in many ways, looking back on it and, you know, spend lots of times in parks when it, the weather was nice enough and we'd get a beer and have a roll up. And just, I think, a very quintessential London upbringing. Absolutely. Very important question. Which bagel was it? There's a big... Confliction as to which is the best. Yeah, that's a good question. It's been so long. I I couldn't I couldn't tell you the name of the of the shop, but they were yeah, I think it's the I think it's the one that's 24 hours. I, I like their energy more that we never stop serving bagels. Do you um, do you live in London? Yeah, I'm northwest London. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, I was um, southeast um, London. And your first movie was Nymphomaniac. What a debut. <laughs> Were you cast by Des Hamilton? I'm I was. Des. He's amazing. I love Des. I love Des. He's going to be a really good friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. He he's worked with 
everyone amazing. He does all Diddlin Ramsey's casting, Lars von Trier, obviously, Gaspar yeah. Claire Denis. Yeah, yeah. I worked with him on High Life as well. He did High Life too. I have a great memory when when I first started out, before I started programming, doing movie stuff, I used to write film articles and I was doing an article on Top Boy and I had, I spoke to all the cast and then I think Kano was too busy doing his album promotion and I spoke to Dez and he was like, what the fuck? He's not talking to you. And he's rang him up on the spot and it's like, dude, what are you doing? This guy's awesome. Speak to him now. And he like handed the phone over to me and I was like, wow, Dez get, Dez get shit done. That was really impressive. Yeah. And he's so authentic too. You know, he's such just such a genuine person, which is really quite refreshing at times. You, 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 it is what it is with Dez. I like that about him. Yeah, he's a straight yeah. talker, but he's also truly passionate. It's all about art and uh, performances. And we always talk about great faces in films. And I think, well, his track record is just amazing. Yeah. You know, you know, he's always, he's got a great eye and instinct for raw talent. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering, when you start off on such an amazing film like that with such an incredible auteur visionary, I'm guessing, did this spark something in you that this is the bar for my casting choices going forward? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Nymphomaniac and Lars von Trier and that, whole, that, that cast in general, really, that became my north star that was my blueprint at that point you, you know and i was that was just i was incredibly fortunate that was good timing it was just good luck really because i was auditioning for everything and and it just so happened that it was nymphomaniac that i, I ended up booking first but then after that experience and having such a wonderful time and learning so much on that set i that really became yeah like i said the north star um and and how I decided to to kind of move forward and, and navigate my career moving forward. And and um so as a result of that, you know, there would be times where I just would choose not to work. And and there would be times where I would just I didn't want to I had such an incredible experience and then I had a taste for what's possible and what's out there that that um yeah, it's it's without a doubt it's it it's it's colored my career moving forward that's really great so there's things you'll just pass on if your gut or instinct is telling you this doesn't appeal and I just want to hold out for something more inspiring yeah I do that a lot I do that a lot I would rather I I won't I've never taken a job just for the sake of working you know which is a very blessed position to be in anyway Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I'm aware of that um but every time that I've been on set, it's because I've felt incredibly inspired by the work, by the director. It's a, you know, set is a very sacred space for me. It's never just, uh, I, I've never just been there for the sake of being there. Um, and 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 I credit that a lot to Lars and, and, and the type of work that he does and, and the way that he works. And, you know, those are my favorite actors and, and my favorite directors are the people that only decide to create something when they moved when they feel moved to do so. Yeah, that's really refreshing to hear. That really shows in your filmography and the kind of auteur and the visionaries you've worked with that, yeah, the work speaks for itself. And they do say it's, it's, um, the things you say no to are as important as the things you say yes to. Yeah, in many ways, I feel like that's 
it's it's actually more important in many ways because you have no idea how the film that you're working on is going to turn out. You can feel as inspired as you want by it, but the end product um, sometimes is ends up being a totally different movie than what you had envisioned. And and yeah, it, as an actor, you know, it's it's really the only way that you're able to express any sort of autonomy over your career. It is by the news that you you decide to 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 turn down. What drew you to Ty West? Had you already seen his previous movies when he got in contact? I had seen the, I'd seen the House of the Devil and I had really enjoyed that movie. Um, and when that came around, it, it was an email again. And, um, you know, it, it was him partnering with A24, which I thought was really exciting because it felt as though it was the first time maybe that Ty was going to be given, you know, full control over his own craft for the first time, perhaps. And he was going to be able to to make what he wanted without, you know, so many other cooks in the kitchen trying to navigate what, um, his final product was going to be and then I had heard that um, whoever he wanted to play Maxine uh, he also wanted to play Older Pearl and so all of that combined um, was something was something that was very intriguing to me. And how is that for you as an actor going in basically having two roles in one? It was a gift it was um, it was really the whole reason that I decided to do the movie you know, because I wasn't trying to do another horror movie. I, it was it wasn't really something that I was um very interested in otherwise. But the idea that I was going to be able to play two different characters in the same movie and, and and two people that are really quite vastly different from one another, it just it was it was a a real challenge and something that I didn't want to 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 give up on. Did you have any doubts? Did you were you worried about playing the two roles and delivering on both? I mean, yeah. obviously you absolutely smashed it, but I was just wondering as a, that, that that's a big weight on your shoulders coming in to the movie. Yeah, I, I was quite nervous and 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 really I, I didn't know if it was going to work, you know, until like two, three weeks of shooting, even by like the end of the, the first week of um of 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 uh, shooting X. At that point, I was still only doing Maxine, and it was only halfway through the shoot that did we, we ended up getting into makeup for Pearl. And so it was um, a huge relief when it started to feel like everything was was clicking in, was was clicking uh, together. But um, that's that's why I wanted to do it, really. You know, because before, for that challenge, did Ty have the vision going in that it was going to be a three part trilogy? No, no. So when I bought X, I was about six weeks into into my prep for that movie. And then he texted me and had an idea for a prequel because at that time we were still in the heights of COVID and he and we were shooting in New Zealand and we were spending all of this money and we were flying in so many people and, and we were going to have the set built. And he had this genius idea, really, to to come up with another movie so that we could just I mean, all just really stay in New Zealand working. I mean, it, we it was um, a really uh, delicate time, and we didn't know, you know, when we were going to be able to make another movie. Uh, uh, and so it just he he had this idea, and so we started write, writing a script together. And a twenty, I mean, there's a lot that goes on before greenlighting a movie. So we so we wrote the script and 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 we presented all of our ideas and we kind of put together and a bunch of images just to kind of um, try and express as clearly as possible 
uh, the idea that we had. And then it was about, you know, three weeks, four weeks into shooting X, right at the very end of the movie that um, that A24 ended up green lighting it. And um, we had maybe a, like a weekend to to recover from from and, and, and have a bit of a rest from from the shoot. And then we were straight into Interpol. And then, yeah, we just went straight into it. And then X was released and then Pearl was released and it's it's done incredibly well. People have responded uh, to it. And and then because of that, well, we always had the idea of it, of it being a trilogy, but, but you never know. But because it has been received as well as it has, A24 are for it. That final scene, the long close-up, is so incredible. How did that come about? That came about uh, a couple of minutes before we actually ended up shooting it. Uh, it wasn't written in script. Uh, uh, in script, it was written as um, just a freeze frame on the smile. But then Ty had this idea and he came up to me short, right before we were about to, sh to shoot it. And he said like something along the lines of, listen, um, I had this idea rather than freeze frame, I'm not going to call cut. We're just going to keep the camera rolling and we'll just see what happens. And maybe that might be a more interesting option for the end of the movie. If nothing comes of it, the freeze frame is going to be great. Um, mm -hmm. No pressure. Let's just have some fun with it. See what comes of it. I was like, great. Yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, then we started rolling and uh, how it arrives. And, and I say, I'm so happy you're home. And and then that's just what came of it. it. It was really quite an instinctual moment. And the entire shoot for Pearl and really the entire shoot for X um, kind of led us to that moment. And, and then that's what came of it. It's such a beautiful ending. It's so haunting. The And the longer it goes on, it's kind of, what is it? John Cassavetti said, the, the greatest location on earth is the human face. Mm. That's kind of like a great example of that. Mm. Mm. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by our pals at Mubi. Mubi is a creative streaming service for movie lovers. I've been a Mubi subscriber for years and I'm going to go through and give you my three favorites from the Mubi UK platform. Here we go. Okay, firstly, The Handmaiden by Park Chan-wook. I've been thinking about this movie a lot. It's one of those films I caught in the cinema and haven't watched since. But I'm just going to say it. I think this could be my favorite Park Chan-wook movie. It's just so visually stunning. The plot is wild. It's an erotic thriller. And yeah, I'm going to go rewatch that. Second pick is Breaking the Waves from 1996. Lars von Trier's movie set in a small coastal town about a young woman who falls in love with an Ulrich worker. Stunning, daring, bold filmmaking as you'd expect from Lars. This is a true masterpiece and I don't throw that word around a lot. 
Battle number two pick. Finally, I'm going to recommend Unrest from Switzerland. This one I haven't seen, but my friend just texted me about it. One of a few people whose tastes I trust. You just can't trust people these days. But I trust his taste. And I'm going to watch this one as well. So there you go. That's a blind recommendation from a trusted source. Okay, there you go. That's my free picks. You can try Mubi for 30 days for free at mubi.com slash deeper into movies for a whole month of great cinema free. Mubi.com slash deeper into movies. What drew you to Brandon Cronenberg and Infinity Pool? What drew me to Brandon Cronenberg and Infinity Pool? Well, I'd been a fan of Brandon's for a while. I had seen both Antiviral and Possessor, and I had felt that he was had a really unique vision of the world, and, and his films communicated that in a really beautiful, kind of in, in peculiar way and and I always you know his movies are has such a they leave such a mark on you you mm-hmm. know I, I watch a, a movie from Brandon and, and I'm thinking about it for weeks after and it's rare to have that kind of effect after watching a movie and so this movie came, this movie was sent to me whilst I was filming Pearl actually and I read the script and and I knew pretty early on that this was um, something that I was going to have to do. And it it just, it really, it felt like a, a gift was being presented to me because of Gabby and the character that, uh, that, that, that she is and, 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 and how she morphs and changes into becoming something uh, so feral really in many ways by the end of it was, um was a real, was a real gift for me. And you were filming, were you staying on the, resort that you were filming on we were we were for we were shooting we shot part of it in Hungary and then we relocated to to Croatia and then yes we were on that resort and once we got to that resort it felt as though everything was clicking into place and we all got a better understanding of the kind of movie that we were making and 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 the sort of world that we we were existing in and you know because we were we were uh staying at that same resort we never had to get into a taxi in the morning to take us to um to to base camp it was all right there we were actually having breakfast where um they have breakfast in the movie and um all these little details um help immensely in 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 in, uh in in making the, the work come alive and, and making the work um feel um as as real as it possibly can be it 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 it, it, it uh, blurred the lines in in many way between action and cut which is which is helpful and as if your movie wasn't weird and surreal enough you had the you had like an fbi training course in your hotel as well we did i 
somehow I never saw this FBI I don't know okay. where I was at that time but I, I have heard of this maybe I guess I wasn't shooting at that time maybe I was in my yeah Brandon said they were doing like it was like a team bonding session which is even more weird that they'd pick this place of anywhere to like they can't just go to Florida I don't know it, it's a really odd location to have FBI team building exercises it sounds really deeply sinister and kind of black ops kind of off-grid operations or something to travel that far for some team building exercises but yeah what was your most difficult scene to shoot for the movie the most difficult scene, she, I would say probably when we were back in Hungary and we uh, got onto night shoots and we were shooting the scene right at the very end where uh, we uh, confront Alex and we bring him out of the house and we bring his double and 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 and, uh, uh, and we're out by the cars and you know it was that was just uh, incredibly difficult just. Just, just because of the logistical factors that were involved. I mean, it was freezing cold. It was maybe about, we were shooting until about five o'clock in the morning, ended up snowing. It was just very challenging in, in, in that realm. And, uh, but it all came together, but it was, it was, yeah, it was just, uh, it was just difficult. Did Brandon give you anything to watch in preparation for this film? This film is so strange and singular. I was wondering what, what what were you guys drawing from or seeking inspiration or reference from? He didn't, funnily enough. He Brandon once I wrapped Pearl, I, I got home and we zoomed and, and we had our discussion about um his idea and, and, and what he thought Gabby was um going to be. And but really after that, he kind of just uh really gave me complete and total creative control to do what I wanted he he really didn't it felt as though he didn't want to color my understanding of that world and what I was going to build with Gabby you know he interesting really yeah yeah and I really appreciated that actually that's kind of my favorite working process to, to to be honest with you is when the director trusts his actor enough to kind of just go off and create what feels right to them rather than trying to navigate rather than trying to micromanage uh what that process looks like so you did this just after pearl and then you did maxine jesus you don't like four films back to back i haven't sh we haven't shot maxine yet maxine hasn't been shot no but we, oh. we start very soon we're in the middle of uh, pre-production for that Ah, oh, I saw the trailer, but that's just the teaser trailer. That's a teaser trailer. Oh, God damn. I've got to wait longer. <laughs> that, that's okay. How are you feeling about Maxine? I think Ty said it's his favorite of the trilogy. Did he? Yeah, I said that too. I said that too. It's wow. my favorite script of the three. Yeah, it's, it's, what can I say? It's, um, this is Maxine's superhero movie. Okay, this is the Marvel universe. <laughs> this is. Yeah, yeah. This is this the is, ex she's just movie. The, no, no. It's just not a Marvel movie at all. No. But I just mean in the sense that Maxine is um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I I don't know. I I actually don't really know if I can say anything. But it is my favorite no. script of the three, and it's um such a 
interesting evolution to to go from X to Pearl and then to watch Maxine, the 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 three distinct characters that are being built. It's uh, it's it's just uh, it's a really nice arc that's being created, and Maxine really is going to be um the crescendo of these um three movies, and it's uh, it's the the stakes are high. It's the um the world is um you know it's 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 uh. It's the biggest world of the three. There's there's so right. much going on. That's sold. Take my money. That sounds amazing. And finally, do you have an idea of what you want to do next? Are your decisions colored by your previous movies? Somewhat. Somewhat. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is that I want to work on next until it's presented to me. Um, but you know. More than ever, I think I'm 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 more uh, director driven than ever before. Um, and if it's a director that I admire, uh, respect, and 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 connect with, then um, that's that's probably what I'm going to want to do. I, I don't know what that looks like until until I see it. That's a great line to end on. This has been such a joy talking to you. You're so awesome. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you so much. Great talking to you. Thank you, buddy. Bye. Boom! That was me and Mia Goff, Infinity Pool and Pearl both coming out soon. And like I said, if you haven't seen Emma, Autumn to Wild's debut, check that out. I also want to rewatch Nymphomaniac parts one and two. I watched a few clips in preparation and it just reminded me how great they were. And it kind of feels like Lars von Trier's greatest hits, him just doing everything he does well. Okay, that's it from me. Thanks to Joshua Eustace, a.k.a. Telefon Tel Aviv, for my beautiful music. Thanks, you guys, for listening, and we will speak soon.